Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And I look forward to many of the discussions that we're going to have over the course of the next couple of weeks, you know, to ultimately make, make a decision on What's the best collaborative dynamic that can actually lead the city of Chicago? Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman. My guest this week is Cook County Commissioner Brandon Johnson, an organizer for the Chicago Teachers Union. Brandon, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Fran, for having me. It's a real pleasure. Earlier this week, CTU President Stacey Davis Gates told the City Club of Chicago that she believes Chicago needs a new mayor, that that Mayor Lori Lightfoot has somehow failed marginalized communities during this defining moment, as she put it. But she would not be the candidate for mayor herself. Instead, she suggested that it might be you. What say you about that? Well, I'm not quite sure if that was her suggestion. I think what, you know, is very clear, um, Fran, is that, that there are a number of of families in Chicago, like myself. My wife and I were raising our children in Austin on the west side of Chicago um, that um, have had a very difficult time living um, in a city that is mired in a plethora of of problems. And, you know, those challenges that we face every single day in the city of Chicago, um, whether it's uh, finding a, a, a good neighborhood school that you know, fully supports a well-rounded experience for our children or, you know, having safe, safe streets where we can ride our bikes and walk um, and enjoy the amenities that uh, different parts of the city possess, or whether it's, you know, having a neighborhood in which you can afford to live in, that these are challenges that we are experiencing every single day in the city of Chicago. And uh, quite frankly, those challenges have not been addressed. Will you run for mayor? The window is still open, but not for long because candidates can start circulating nominating petitions next week. 12,500 valid signatures are needed. You need at least two or three times that number to avoid a petition challenge that can really bog you down. When will you make this decision and how will you decide? What will be the factors? Well, one of the things that I am you know, very much convinced of like many people in the city of Chicago, um, as an organizer, um, bringing people together and building coalitions to solve uh, the, the, the ailments that we have been, um, that we've had to endure over the course of generations, uh, that it's gonna take that type of collaborative effort. And you know what I am um, committed to doing is to continue to organize people 
um, whether that's the faith community, whether that's uh, labor, uh, community-based organizations, elected officials, um, organizing people to address uh, many of the critical needs that 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 have to be uh, resolved. If we're going to have a city of Chicago uh, that that lives up to the hype, um, and the hype is that this is ostensibly a world-class city, uh, but it's a city that um, I've experienced at a very personal level um, on the west side of Chicago, as my wife and I, as I said earlier, raising our family um, and in one of the most dynamic communities in the entire country. Uh, but it is also one of the most violent neighborhoods um, in the country. And when you are faced with a homicide, disinvestment, uh, neighborhood schools that are not fully supported, um, community-based organizations that are trying to address any of the critical needs um, that we do have, um, it's going to take a collaborative effort to be able to approach um, the, the, the strength of, of, of living in Chicago. It's going to take a collaborative effort to be able to address that. So I'm certainly committed, as I've said before, to continue to organize systems um, across government, all levels of government, community-based organizations, faith, uh, uh, the faith community, um, to, to approach our challenges in a very holistic way, in a collaborative way. So, so as far as the decision is concerned, Fran, you know, I am... I'm humbled by, you know, many of the progressive spaces that have trusted my leadership on the county board, have trusted my leadership, of course, as a public school teacher in Chicago, and trust my judgment um, as, as a father, as a husband, um, as a neighbor, um, that trust my judgment enough to, to, to essentially um, coalesce around the idea of pushing the city and leading the city in a new direction. So what does that mean about running for mayor? I mean, you can't just talk about it if you are deciding to do it. And if not you, then who? You know, well, you know, look, the, the moment that we're in is, is it's a very critical moment. I mean, democracy is being challenged across the country. Um, you know, I was on the front line as an organizer pushing for democracy democracy uh, to be extended in our public schools and, you know, pushing our budgets to, to be, uh, to reflect the priorities that, quite frankly, that have been ignored for a very long time. And so for me, as much as I am grateful for the, the vote of confidence that many folks have surrounded me with um, and I get why they are pushing me to uh, to do this right because you know look you know as one of the most critical moments in our nation's history uh, folks were looking for a direction and as we have had to suffer through the the challenges of this pandemic um, and I was you know proud to lead um, the the equity, fund that ultimately has led to um, universal basic income. Um, I was proud to lead the effort to, to make sure that we are giving families an opportunity to retire their medical debt. You know, and that, that type of work and that type of leadership, of course, is attractive to people. You know, so as the, the, as the coalition continues to strengthen and 
push for the type of accomplishments that we've done at the county level. You know, I'm listening. I'm listening to 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 those voices because, you know, look, you know, you know, the best job that I've ever had, Fran, is that of a public school teacher in Chicago, and teaching in Cabrini Green, teaching on the west side of Chicago at Westinghouse, you know, as college prep. You know, I've seen how the political problems that we have faith that we face every single day. Um, have, 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 have just gone ignored and unaddressed. Um, the decision ultimately is gonna be made by the interests of, of the people who have, um, who've had to not only endure the hardship of living in Chicago, but that decision is gonna be contingent upon, you know, our ability to ultimately collaborate because that's what it's gonna take in order to bring our city into um, the, the, the place in which many families are, are, are desperately seeking uh, to bring us in a place where many families are desperately looking for um, economic stability. A again, it's humbling, right? You know, I mean, I was teaching middle school just a handful of years ago. And the, the idea of, again, running a, a budget and an economy like Cook County government, we're talking about a $9 billion budget, and the opportunities that we have taken full advantage of in that leadership role, um, um, I am taking the, the, the energy that many of these families have, have surrounded me with um, very seriously. And I look forward to many of the discussions that we're going to have over the course of the next couple of weeks, you know, to ultimately make, make a decision on um, what's the best collaborative dynamic that can actually lead the city of Chicago. Do you believe, as Stacey Davis-Gates does, that the problems plaguing children and families in this city, from homelessness to gun violence, will not get solved without a new mayor? Well, it, it hasn't been solved. I mean, the fact that we are still um, suffering um, in communities like Garfield Park, you know, that's a community that I represent on the County Board of Commissioners. And the violence, as well as the poverty per capita, has been described as a developing nation. You know, you know, one of the things that you know I push for at the county level is that when we push for a budget that reflects um, our values, I led the effort in the releasing of the largest amount of money that Cook County government has ever released to deal with violence in this city, $75 million, $25 million being brought to the first district alone. And those dollars are being used to, to support organizations like New Moms on the West Side of Chicago, West Side Health Authority on the West Side of Chicago, um, the Covenant House on the West Side of Chicago that actually deals with homelessness. So, you know, if, if we're really gonna solve um, these issues, you have to have political leadership that is prepared and willing to invest in, in solutions. And that's why in the role that I've had now uh, that, that I've been pushing and delivering on substantial investment to deal with the, the crisis of homelessness, the crisis But the of mayor says she's doing that. She has used the avalanche of federal stimulus funds to make an unprecedented investment in violence reduction and homeless services. 
Her budget is laden with those kinds of problems. Where has she fallen down? She talks about Invest Southwest. She talks about having invested heavily in a whole of government approach to the 15 most violent neighborhoods and that those are showing progress remarkable progress, she says, and that overall shootings are down 18% and homicides are down 18% and even more in some of those most violent neighborhoods. What's wrong with how she has approached all this? You know, as, as I said before, living in the Austin community on the west side of Chicago, where we have experienced levels of violence that, that, that have, have created a great deal of anxiety in our community. My oldest son is 14 years old, Fran, and we cringe at the idea of him riding his bike in our neighborhood. Because unfortunately for many families in Chicago, that riding a bike in a community ends in tragedy where you have to cover it. Or the nightly the nightly news, the nightly news has to cover it. Until families like mine um, can feel absolutely comfortable and safe riding our bikes, walking to a neighborhood school that is fully funded and resourced, being able to actually afford to live in our communities, until that, until we reach that, that plateau, because that's the goal, no one should be patting themselves on the back. No one. In fact, we should be doubling down on our efforts to collaborate with community-based organizations, the faith community, workers, to actually come up with a very robust plan that, that doesn't just simply nibble around the edges. Quite frankly, Fran, the approach that we have seen too often in this city, it's been quite petite. Has been what? Petite. What is that? Petite. And mediocre. Oh, petite and mediocre. I see. The city of Chicago requires, in this moment, not just um, rhetoric and you know petite investments that that do not meet the demands of 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 the social bills that we're confronted with. It also requires collaboration. If if we're going to revive this city, and that's really what this city needs, it needs to be revived and restored in a way where we're, 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 we're not working in silos and in isolation. Here, here's what I'm most proud of as an organizer. And I've taken that approach towards the county government. That we actually brought community organizations together to actually apply collectively for the funds that we've made available. The largest investment that we've ever experienced in Cook County government. We actually brought people together to apply for those resources together so that we can actually have a coordinated effort to address the critical needs that our people need. And unless we have an approach that large and substantial, then, then we're coming up short. So what is it about Lori Lightfoot? Is she a go-it-alone type person? What is it about her that you are criticizing here? It, it's, it's, it's not a criticism of an individual. It's a challenge to the system. 
This is about what Chicago needs, not what an individual can deliver. Chicago was too big for any one person to believe that they can go in and alone. Fran, I come from a family of 10. I have 10 brothers and sisters. I'm a middle child. So maybe when this interview is over, you know, I can talk to you about what it's like to be a middle child and you can perhaps offer up. Well, tell me about that. Therapy. I mean, well, you, this shapes yeah. you, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. Like as a middle child, and, and, and I probably do require a little bit of uh, therapy. My father said I cried a lot when I was a baby. I think that's what happens when you don't pick them up. He said, no, we picked you up, son. But, but really, as a middle child, I had the, the balance of being accountable to my older siblings while also being responsible for my younger siblings. It's one of the most unique spaces you could ever be in a family dynamic, and that's the middle child, right? And it has shaped me. You know, my parents, they're pastors. You know, my mother is now an ancestor. She passed away from a rare heart, a heart disease, and she died friend from a rare heart disease because my father lost his job and therefore lost his insurance and could not afford the medication. Growing up as a middle child with pastors who helped shape, helped shape my, my approach towards the world, where we see the very best in people. And when we see the very best in people, you actually are able to love people. See, a lot of people talk about how they love the city. How about loving people? That, that, that's what has shaped me. And, you know, unfortunately, that even in the midst of our service, and my parents have served admirably. Um, my father still had to work every day, even though he, you know, served as a pastor. And when his job was snatched away from him, it left us vulnerable. You know, I, I grew up, you know, I was I was that kid who not just was a middle child, but that was that 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 kid who had asthma. And the amount of nights that my parents had to rush me to the emergency room just to be able to catch my breath. And when my father lost his insurance, you know, I'm that kid that stood in the line at the Fantas Clinic, Cook County Hospital, where you get in the line at six o'clock in the morning, the doors open at 7 a.m. You hope to see a doctor by 8 a.m. And then when the prescription is filled, you got to come back at night and wait in the line. And in that line, friend, um, waiting for my inhaler, I saw Chicago, black, brown, white, young, old, undocumented families, just looking for a healthcare system to, to be available in a way to actually treat the conditions in which, you know, we live in. And, and so that's why, you know, when I, when I talk about being collaborative, and loving people and being bold enough and willing to see humanity, our approach has to be centered around the humanity of people. And that's what I learned, you know, growing up in a home with one bathroom and, and, <laughs> and nine brothers and sisters. And get this, friend, my parents were also foster parents. So there would be some nights we were a, a temporary emergency stop for many families um, that needed somewhere to stay because life conditions you know, forced families into to really horrific circumstances. If and you were to enter this race, uh, Brandon, you would be the eighth African-American candidate and the 10th overall. 
seeking to send Lori Lightfoot into political retirement. What lane would you be running in? What would be your path to victory? Do you have one, do you think? In order for Chicago to win, you need an organizer. You need someone who, who understands the conditions of, of Chicago. You know, my wife and I want what's best for our children, and we want what's best for every single child um, in the city of Chicago. We want what's best for every single family. And that's why I became a public school teacher um, and not a pastor, mostly because the teaching position is unionized and pastors aren't. <laughs> I've seen that schedule. My father went through quite a bit. You know, but what Chicago needs, they need a visionary. Um, Chicago needs public schools that offer everything. Friend, my wife and I, had to leave our neighborhood to find a high school for our son, a public high school, because he plays baseball, soccer, and the violin. Wouldn't it be nice to have neighborhood schools that allow your children to participate in all that society has to offer? Other children have it in certain spaces, not just in Chicago, but throughout Cook County. And so, you know, I don't have any control over anyone else who enters into this race, but what I can say is this, is that Chicago deserves um, so much more than what it's getting. And families across the city of Chicago, they know that. Whether, again, whether you live in Ravenswood or, or Inglewood, you know, whether you live in Bronzeville or North Lawndale, uh, Uptown or, or Austin, wherever you live in the city, people are looking for something more because they actually believe we can get it. See, if, if people stop wanting and looking for something more, that's a dead society. But the fact that people still believe that not only do we deserve more than what we're getting, but that we can get more expresses a tremendous amount of hope and that there's an opportunity to revive this city you know, out of its um, staleness. So how are the public schools failing kids? As I said, you know, friend, why, why do we have a public school system in, in Chicago that does not permit a child to experience art, music, sports, and math and science? Why are we asking children at 12, 13, and 14 years old to become specialists in a particular discipline? When I taught Cabrini Green, Jenner Academy, Children woke up every single day with cranes staring at them because their buildings were being demolished. Think about how sinister and wicked that system is. And then from the other side of their window, they could see towers of wealth. I mean, it's the Gilded Age where you have this extreme abject poverty in which people are isolated and suffering in. And that when their public housing is taken away from them or they cannot afford to live in their community and children have to have to to ride two hours on a bus that's happening right now. Spend two hours on a bus to be able to get to a school. How do you consider yourself a world class city and children are on a bus for two hours that that's the experience of my father coming up from Salas, Mississippi, while they migrated to the north because they, they couldn't go to the school that was closest to them because of deep, deep segregation. And here we are generations later where you have 
extreme stratification within our city. It's not just so much that the school system has been a disappointment for families. It's the fact that we have allowed it to carry on for generations. I, I, I have to believe as a parent, my wife and I, we have to believe that our children can be more than what the neighborhood allots because you, government has failed. You played a pivotal organizing role in the 2012 teacher strike against Rahm Emanuel. What do you remember about that epic battle and how does the relationship and the contentiousness with CTU differ under Lightfoot or is there a parallel? Well, first of all, let me just say that I am, I will be forever grateful um, for, for, for the leadership of Karen Lewis um, and Jesse Sharkey pushing for a social justice union um, is the dream of our ancestors. It was W.E.B. Du Bois that said that public education at the expense of the state after all, particularly in the South, was, was and is a Negro idea. The idea of public education being paid for by the state that comes directly from black liberation. It was Fred Hampton that also said that kids should be able to go to school and, and eat. Fred Hampton also said we should have health clinics that should be free. And it was also Dr. King that said that if the civil rights movement and the liberal rights movement the civil rights movement, I'm sorry, and the labor rights movement were to ever collide, what enormous potential it would be. And so that potential has been, that, that, that potential has manifested in people like Rahm Emanuel and corporations that never ever wanted to see that type of collaboration. They never wanted to see it because it challenged their position of power. And yes, Fran, as an organizer, I, 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 I helped build what our ancestors a generation ago knew was our, our hope for, for America. But what I remember about that, because it has, had, it has certainly evolved and to something I think even more substantial than the generation prior to us could have ever dreamed of, because it's the civil rights movement, it's the labor rights movement, it's the faith community, it's community-based organizations, it's families, neighborhoods across the city, you know, came together to fight for education justice, but even bigger than that, the fight for affordable housing. You know, many people try to put us in our place. I shouldn't say many, some people try to put us in our place. And I am so glad that we did not succumb to, to the limitations that the rich and the powerful want to subscribe to us. But do you but, but see a parallel I, between Emmanuel and Lightfoot? There's been contentiousness, just like there was under him. She campaigned on supporting an elected school board and then fought it and it had to be forced down our throat by the General Assembly. Is there a parallel between these two leaders that you have faced off against? Fighting for a social worker and a nurse in every single school should not be a fight. Workers should not have to strike 
in order for our humanity to be recognized. Look, you know, I stood with the workers at El Milagro, even though the, the, the company was not in my district as a Cook County commissioner. I stood with those workers when that particular company um, was disrespecting them and not prepared and willing to pay, not so much not being prepared, but they were unwilling to actually pay these workers their fair share, just like I stood with the Nabisco workers who were on strike. So do you see a parallel between Emmanuel and, and Lightfoot? And if so, what is it? What I'm saying is that that government is missing something very critical here. They're missing the humanity and dignity of working people in the city of Chicago. This is not about, you know, a compare and contrast session. And I appreciate you doing this because as a public school teacher, I get what you're doing, right? You, you, sure. I mean, I think we, 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 we always want to look at the comparisons in this city, right? But here's what we should be paying attention to. Under Rahm's administration, you brought up the strike. Let's talk about the school closings as well. Do you know that there are still 1,000 children, particularly Black children, that are missing from public school roles across the country? There's no account for at least 1,000 kids. No one knows where they are. No one knows where they are. Over 200 of, over 200 of those children actually live on the west side of Chicago, or used, they used to in my district. The fact that we have a, a, a government that continues to miss people. What is very clear to me, Fran, is that my wife and I have been married for 24 years. We have three beautiful children. We love them. Brayden, my daughter, baby girl, she's in charge of everyone. My middle son, Ethan, pray for him. He's a middle child. I certainly understand him. <laughs> and then our oldest son, 14 years old. They want to be seen, Fran. They want to be recognized. They want someone to say, good job. We, we don't have a structure in this city that, that passes out medals to children, stickers and badges. We also don't have a city that offers jobs to their parents. 87% of households in the Chicago public schools essentially are households that are headed by women. The teaching force, overwhelmingly women, nurses, Overwhelmingly women. I mean, there are, there are workers at the Loretto Hospital that were fighting for, 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 for a safe, healthy working condition that, that in other spaces and other disciplines where it's not a woman-led profession, they don't have to, to fight as hard. The fact that women have to fight as hard as they do to live in the city of Chicago that is a failure. And again, this is not about a compare and a contrast. This is about the reality that systems have not provided the support and the infrastructure around families, and particularly women, who are at the tip of the spear when, when it comes to every negative economic indicator in this country. Women are being harmed. And I know what that harm looks like because it it was those mothers that I sat with on report card pickup day. And they, they would look me in the eye and they would say, Mr. Johnson, help. Is Lori Lightfoot a real reformer or a phony one? 
we have missed opportunities in this city. Look, I'm not saying it's easy to lead because it's not. It's not about a single individual. You know, my wife and I, we work in partnership with our children. It's three of them, it's two of us. And sometimes they get the best of us. You're outnumbered. We are. And unfortunately, our problems are outnumbering a single individual because sometimes the singular approach um, becomes the only way in which people want to lead. What I can offer in this moment is a real healthy conversation about what it means to be collaborative, to be competent, and to be compassionate. That's, that's the work that my wife and I do to make sure that our home is strong. That's the work that workers do to make sure that working conditions are strong. That's the work that businesses do to make sure that there's a thriving economic infrastructure within communities, um, whether it's Pilsen or Little Village. Could you imagine if we would have been more collaborative, how much better our, envi our environmental program would be in the city of Chicago? If we were more collaborative, how much stronger our education system would be in the city of Chicago, how much stronger our businesses, whether they're downtown or in the neighborhoods would be if we actually were collaborative. That's the work. That's the work. And the best thing that my father ever shared with me, me and my brother, one time real quick, a friend, my father also had a side hustle. He was a general contractor and he would take these assignments to repair homes. And, you know, the only labor that he had was, uh, was me and my brother, we were 10 and 12. He broke all the labor standards and laws um, imaginable, right? And so he gave us this one particular assignment where he was trying to repave a strip mall, to repave the parking lot and you know, lay down the tar and then the yellow, the yellow lines for the individual parking spaces. And he dropped me and my brother off and he asked us to sweep up the entire parking lot so that he can clear it so he can lay down the tar. Now, we didn't know then that he didn't really know what he was doing, but that was the work that he had to do to make sure that the ends met every single, every single month. And so my brother and I were sweeping the parking lot. And Fran, I don't know if you've ever had to sweep rocks before, but it is the absolute most ridiculous assignment in the world because as you sweep rocks, Fran, just more rocks keep coming up and so my brother he's sweeping and I'm sweeping these rocks and my brother looks at me he's 12 I'm 10 so you know he's the leader and he says man we're not doing this anymore it was the first strike I was ever on my 12 year old brother led me in a strike <laughs> and so we threw, we threw our brooms down and so I'm I'm afraid right because dad is going to come back any moment the job is not going to be done but I'm I believe in solidarity so my brother's there we're walking out on this job we throw our, our, our brooms down because the job just never ended <laughs> and my father showed up and of course the job was incomplete and you know it was a different generation there so we just we just knew we had it coming and he says he looked us in the eye and he said in our eyes and he says i am i am disappointed in both of you uh-oh that's the worst that's the word right that's the worst that you can hear from your dad exactly. you disappointed and him you just, oh. and, and, and then you know what he said he said i'm disappointed because you gave up he said sons never be afraid to do a little bit of work. His expectation for us was to collaborate to try to figure it out because that's what families have to do all over the city of Chicago. We're just trying to figure it out. We realized in retrospect that our father was just trying to figure it out because it was a job. We could earn a little bit and maybe the bills would be paid on time this month. 
What I'm saying is in this moment, we cannot be afraid as a city to do a little bit of work. And the best way we do it is that we collaborate and we, we, we can become more creative, use our imagination, to, our imaginations to address uh, the challenges that we face every single day. That's what Chicago needs. That's what Chicago is looking for. And that's the revival that the city deserves to experience. So that Brand- when the work is done, life can be a little bit better for us. Brandon Johnson, we look forward to your decision in the next few weeks, I assume. And we uh, thank you for joining us and we will see you all next week. 